0: Father, we give thanks to you for this thing uh, that we call a worship service. Uh, In it, you promise to meet us. In fact, Jesus, you tell us that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, you are right there in the midst of them. We believe you're in our midst this morning. Uh, We know, God, that it delights you when we sing your praises. We know that it simply honors you when we confess our sin. We know, God, that um, we have something to celebrate every time we gather, and that's the gospel, the good news About your son and that is that our sins are forgiven and we have a relationship with you and it's a relationship built on promises we're thankful for that deeply thankful we pray god that at this time in our service as we look at your word and as we study the the ten commandments that you would give us insight and clarity and conviction and encouragement and this we ask for the sake of jesus christ our savior amen Well, as we've said multiple times already this morning, we're going to be diving into the third commandment this morning. Uh, The first one was, you shall have no other gods before me. And Aaron kind of led us through uh, what that commandment means and uh, some of its implications. The second commandment last week, we talked about, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. And uh, we kind of Looked at that last week together, and today, as we've said, is the third commandment, which says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And uh, names are an interesting thing when you think about this. Uh, They identify us, of course. Uh, Sometimes our name have very special meanings. Uh, when we had uh, children many years ago, started a family. Our first child was a boy, and we wanted his name to have a significant meaning, and so we named him Ian. And that name means God is gracious. It's Scottish, Celtic, Irish. Uh, we wanted to thank God for the gift of a son, this son that He had given us. I'm of Northern European descent. And uh, so Scottish, Celtic, Irish names just seemed to fit the bill. And uh, we wanted Ian to know as well that he is an example of this very fact. God is gracious. Just in being born, God was being gracious. Uh, just in being alive, God is being gracious. So Ian, we've reminded him at different times over the years as evidence of that fact, God's grace. Uh, names also serve to distinguish us from each other. From other people. You can hear your name mentioned in a crowd of people and right away, uh, even if that person's not speaking to you because you hear your name, your ears perk up and you pay attention. What is that person saying about me? Are they talking about me or is it some other Duane or your name? It gets your attention. Uh, names can be used affectionately. Uh, we have a cat named Moses. Holly took him to the vet this week because he's just wildly overweight, he weighs 22 pounds, and uh, he was so fat, in fact, that he's taken to laying on his back, just, you know, just one of these, uh, I guess that's a comfortable position when you're really, really badly overweight, and uh, anyway, this this cat, Moses is his name, is very, very affectionate, the most affectionate cat we've ever had, and uh, I've taken to using his name. He recognizes his name. When I get up in the morning and we open our bedroom door, I call out Moses and he's running if he's not already there. And I have variations on, on his name, you know, Moses, oh my little kitty, little momo, you know, and he just rolls onto his back and he'll purr and he'll do that just as long as I keep repeating his name and, you know, uh, petting him and so on. Names can be used affectionately. Names can also be used threateningly. When our kids were little, if I heard something going on upstairs and I suspected it was mayhem of some sort, it would be, Ian, what are you doing? Get down here. And he would know right away. He's in trouble, right? The point in all of that is just that names matter in a whole lot of different ways. Names matter. And therefore, how we use them matters as well. And sadly, Uh, maybe even fair to say tragically, God's name is a name that often is abused and misused. Uh, We damn things in the name of God. Uh, We use the name of Jesus Christ as a swear word. Uh, And it's interesting. Young or old, doesn't matter. Occupation, doesn't really matter. Carpenters, Politicians, judges, engineers, housewives, lawyers, doctors, athletes, secretaries, nurses. Doesn't really matter the occupation. Educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. Professing Christian or a person who does not profess to be a Christian, doesn't matter. Everybody, it seems, can abuse and misuse the name of God with seeming impunity. And we're going to talk about that. Now, some do it, I'm I'm certain, uh, because they are uninformed. They profane God's name regularly, but they do so largely out of ignorance. They don't know that God has spoken very clearly about this matter in his word, in this book where he reveals himself to us, and he forbids it the misuse of his name. Um, Perhaps they've never had the opportunity to have clear teaching on the subject of the third commandment, or maybe uh, they've heard some teaching about it. It didn't sink in. It didn't track with them. Whatever the case, it's fair to say that a certain group of people uh, profaned the name of God largely out of ignorance. I'll never forget the time when I was very young. I was in about the second grade. Uh, There was a, a boy in our neighborhood. His name was Whitey. He was in the seventh grade, and he was just cool, very cool, and uh, I could never do anything to impress him, although I badly wanted to impress him, so one day I picked up on a word that I had heard him and some of his friends using all the time, constantly. It was a four-letter word, began with the letter F, and Whitey and his buddies would uh, kind of attach this word to everything. If they fell off their bike, it was effing this. If they, you know, uh, had a ruckus between themselves, they'd start calling each other uh, names using that word. So one day I decided to use the word around Whitey, and wow, wow, what a response I got back. Instantly, when I said that word, Whitey was impressed that such a young little guy would use a word like that. And I thought, wow, that, that accomplished what I hoped it would accomplish, And later that same day, while my mom was making dinner in the kitchen, my dad was sitting there reading the paper. My sister was helping my mom. My little brother was playing on the kitchen floor. I asked, Mom, what's for dinner? And she said, liver and onions. And I said, oh, mm," you know. And suddenly I was the focus of the family. Uh, My older sister was shocked by the look on her face, and my mother was horrified. My dad was already out of his chair and coming my direction. (laughs) And he took me outside, and first of all, he made it very clear what that word meant. I really didn't know what that word meant, but he made it very clear. And uh, he also made it very clear I was never, ever to use that word again, not in our house, not around our neighborhood uh, not at school, not anywhere. This word was forbidden territory. And uh, I can say w- with honesty in that situation that I had used that word uh, without understanding at all what it meant or what its significance was. I, I was guilty of stupidity. I was guilty of ignorance. But I was also guilty of pride and hubris because I was using a word I didn't even know what it meant. And I was trying to impress someone that I shouldn't have even been trying to impress. And I suppose uh, it's possible that some of us could fit into that category when it comes to the ways in which we use God's name. And that's what I'd like us to think about for a moment. Maybe you've been cursing, using God's name for some time. Maybe you grew up uh, using the name of God or Jesus' name uh, in ways that make it a, a curse word, and you do it without thinking And you do it somewhat ignorantly, at least ignorant of the third commandment. So let me read again so that the uninformed can be wholly, completely, I hope, clearly informed about this matter of how we use God's name. Again, this is what the third commandment says. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You know, there are only 10 words or commandments, only 10. This is number three right here. God says, no gods before me. And then God says, worship me the right way without images. Don't make images of me for the purpose of of worship. And then he says, reverence and respect my name. Don't misuse it. So let me ask you, do you do that? Do you reverence and respect the name of Almighty God? You know, a moment ago, we were singing a song, several songs. We sang this phrase. We said, oh, praise the name of the Lord, our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. And the question, of course, is did you? Did you do that? When we were singing, I mean, did you consciously make an effort to, to reverence the name of God? Or were you kind of looking around to see who is here or who isn't? Or were you distracted in any ways, Or were you just mouthing words that you weren't giving any thought to whatsoever, not thinking about him at all? You see, God wants us, when we use his name, to use that name reverently, worshipfully, respectfully. Fully, not frivolously. Not mindlessly. Not with ambivalence. Not in some mechanical, religious kind of way. And obviously, it goes without saying, we would add to that, we're not ever, ever, ever to use his name as a curse word. God's name is important, just like your name is important, only infinitely more so. He doesn't want his name to be drugged through the mud remember when you were a little child perhaps and remember what it was like to have someone make fun of your name or use your name uh, as a joke uh, a joke that I heard over and over growing up was knock knock who's there Dwayne Dwayne who Dwayne the bathtub I'm drowning and that's not particularly that not particularly you know an attack on my character but for whatever reason, it hurt my feelings because it was a way of making fun of my name. And uh, it hurt me. names matter, maybe you had a name that people made fun of in one way, shape, or form. Um, God's name matters. It matters a great deal. Whenever we mention the Father's name or whenever we mention Jesus' name or whenever we talk about and mention the name of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. You know, it could be in a conversation, a simple conversation, or it could be in a context like this where we're giving thanksgiving or we're giving praise or we're offering lament, sorrow. Confusion, we're talking in prayer to God or we're making petitions, supplication. But when we use the name of God, it should always be done with proper kinds of respect. Because when we use God's name, understand, of course, it is the name that is literally above every name. Every name. The Apostle Paul said that God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth you see fact of the matter is whether someone knows it or not Jesus is the creator he created everything with the father with the holy spirit Jesus is the savior With his blood, he purchased our salvation. Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of the Father right now in this moment, advocating for us because he loves us. He is our protector. He is our provider. He is the giver of eternal life to each and every one who trusts in him. His name therefore is to be reverenced and respected and worshiped. And just to show you how serious God is about this commandment, uh, we read in Leviticus 24 a a really interesting, I would say frightening story. Uh, You know, this is a moment in the history of God's people where God has just given them the law. He's taught them and is teaching them how important it is to maintain this covenantal relationship that they have with God. And it's in that context that we encounter this story. Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse. Now, I wish I knew exactly what that meant and exactly, you know, some more details about the context. Uh, and we don't, but, but we, we do know this, that in this moment, in this fight, in this place, and at this time, having just received the third commandment not long ago, this individual used the name of God as a curse, blaspheming the name of God, okay? And it says, so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was uh, Shelemeth, the daughter of Debris the Danite. And they put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. And then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head. This is a testimony. This is accountability. And the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, this is a curse actually directed at God, curses God, denies God, hates God, deliberately, you know, is an affront to God, he will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him. Whatever an alien or a native, whether an, an alien or a native born, when he blasphemes the name he must be put to death. Now, let me just underline something here that we lose sight of when we read something. I I read that and I'm going like, whoa, that seems overboard. Well, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You see, I can be flippant with God's name. Or I can think, you no, know, that nobody deserves that just for cursing God. No, friends, actually, it's the other way around. In spite of the fact that I might think that, the reality is that when we curse God and blaspheme God and misuse His name, we're reflecting something deeper going on in here, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. This individual is getting exactly what this individual deserves from. An eternal spiritual perspective. Justice is being done. It's as if God is, in part, at least, saying, you know what? I'm real, people. I'm real. And I am present. I I hear what you're saying in addition to what you're thinking. And I have covenanted with you. I've made promises to you. I'm being faithful to you. We are in relationship together. I am not just a theological concept or a distant deity somewhere. I am the God who made you. I am the God who created you as a people. I am the God who sustains you and gives you every good gift. I'm the God who saves you from your own corruption and sin. I am the God who gives you meaning and purpose. I am the God who gives eternal life. I am a person. I have a name. My name matters. Therefore, do not misuse my name. You have no right to use my name as a curse. You will be held responsible for what you say. So question. Anyone here deserve to die? Yeah, I do. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I do. There are too many times when I have thoughtlessly and wrongly used God's name. Whether as a curse word or, or just with ambivalence or like I said, without thought, without reflection, without reverence, without worship, without respect. How about you? And here's the deal there, there's just no getting around this. How you use someone's name speaks volumes about how you really think or feel towards them, doesn't it? That's why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, where does he begin? Well, guess what? He begins with the third commandment. That's where he begins. Our Father. What an incredible name. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible right we have to call upon Almighty God and call him Father. Well, Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus wants men and women and children everywhere when they come to God in prayer to reverence the name of their heavenly father. To stop using that name flippantly, uh, mechanically, profanely. And it's amazing to me. It really is that the number one item on Jesus' prayer list is reverencing the name of God. I think it's very safe to say that both the Old Testament and the New Testament advise us, caution us to cease and desist from any improper use of the name of God. So I would just say, uh, those of you who are up to now, kind of perhaps ignorant or uninformed on this, consider yourselves from here on out informed. Informed. It really matters how we use the name of God. Earlier in our service, we took a moment of time just to say to God, I'm sorry. I haven't reverenced your name the way I should, the way you want me to. So some people misuse the name of God simply out of ignorance. Ignorance. Others, I think, profane God's name because they, they have uncontrolled tongues. I don't know how else to label this. They know that they shouldn't use God's name in vain. They, they get that. They, they know that that's not right. That's, that's a wrong thing to do. They're informed and they don't really want to necessarily misuse the name of God. But from time to time in certain settings, they lose control in a fit of anger, frustration, whatever. They use God's name in vain. They use God's name inappropriately. Again, they, they know it's wrong. And they feel bad about it when they do. And they very often confess it as sin. Oh, oh, forgive me, God, for that. They want to stop it. But for this group, this uh, exception, this is an exception to their behavior. It's not necessarily the rule of their behavior. It's easy to sympathize with this group of people, at least it is for me, because even Jesus' brother James tells us how difficult a thing it is to actually control our tongues. James writes these words, he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Now, I have a hunch here, again, it's just a hunch, but I got a feeling James is kind of opening himself up here in terms of his own experience, because I'm assuming there was a time when James looked at his brother Jesus and thought Jesus was just out of his mind, crazy. And I'm guessing there was more than once when James used the name of his brother, Jesus, who he came to understand was his God, Jesus, and he used that name in Vain, and I'm guessing that James, in part at least, reflects back on a time, maybe even in the present, where he's prone to find himself using the very name of the God, the brother who saved him by dying for him on a cross, and using that name disrespectfully. Out of the same mouth come praise and curses. And so James is warning us how just wrong. That is, and I'm sure it grieved him upon reflection. I'm sure it grieved him to the core. Those of you saying, you know, it bothers me no end when I find myself speaking God's name and realize then that I've done it in vain or using his name, God forbid, in a curse. I want to get control over my tongue. For those of you that are kind of in that boat, I would offer you just a couple of thoughts here. First, obviously, resolve in your mind, you're not going to profane the name of God. Make that a priority. Say, this is something I do not want to do or continue. And then if you do, obviously, you have a tool, uh, a a weapon, if you will, to combat that kind of sin. It's called repentance. Repentance. When it happens, don't let it happen thoughtlessly. Stop right there. Turn towards God. Tell God you are sorry. You are regretful that you've done something awful. You've just disregarded who he is and what he's done for you. And ask him for forgiveness and he will give that to you. Incredibly. And uh, tell him that you, you do not want to do this. You need help not to do this. Uh, just repent. Repent. The second thing I would advise, and this is is kind of scary actually to reflect on, consider Jesus' words. He said to his disciples, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Good. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And part of the point that Jesus is making here is that the only way you can clean up what comes out of your mouth is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to clean up what is already in your heart. You've got to grow. You've got to change, spiritually speaking. When you're using the name of God in vain, it reflects some serious brokenness that's going on inside of you. And that brokenness is what you need to focus on. That is what you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you fix. And let me tell you, he will. He will do that. He's done that in my life, Uh, and when I say done, I don't mean over. (laughs) I still still need to confess sin when I use the name of God inappropriately, but but I've come a long way. I used to be able to, I don't know, use a lot of barnyard humor, and God's name was a part of that, and it was dishonoring and unglorifying to God. So I'm, I'm better today than I was a while ago, and I'm thankful for that. That's the work of God. Now, how has he done that in my life? Well, by something I mentioned last week, the ordinary means of grace. It wasn't magic. It wasn't something I ate that helped. It's the ordinary means of grace. It's reading the word of God, reflecting on it, asking God to apply it and work it into my life. It's memorizing scripture memorize the third commandment see what that does if you have a problem in this area see what that does in helping you the Holy Spirit will apply that to you uh, quite uh, helpfully I'll tell you some other things you can use that will help you with things like this you can use a small group if you're in a small group with people you can trust and I hope you are (laughs) if there's someone in that group you can trust and say man I have a problem with the third commandment I, I need help in this area would you pray for me You know, when you're in a small group, you can study things that help you address weaknesses and sin in your own life. I mean, that's part of what small group is about. And you can ask people to pray for you. You can ask them to hold you accountable. That's all super, super helpful on trying to grow in an area like this. What I'm saying is, is just simply do the things, take advantage of the things that promote spiritual growth. They're not mystical. They're not magical. They're pretty simple. The word of God, prayer, right? When you come to a sacrament like the Lord's table, which will be coming to next Sunday, you know, that should be a reminder. How am I doing with the Ten Commandments? Oh, I suck with the Ten Commandments. I need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That dynamic right there of the gospel is part of what changes us. When we receive the grace, it has a way of transforming and changing the patterns of sin in our life. So... You want the Holy Spirit to be at work to change what's in here so that what comes out of here reflects what's in here. And what's in here is good because it's becoming more like Jesus. And I hope and I trust that as you go down that path, you'll find yourself not only not cursing with the name of God, but you'll find yourself doing what the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is really a beautiful picture. He says in Ephesians 4:29, do not let any unwholesome talk uh, come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see, that, that's our goal with our speech. We want what we say to be such that, you know, inside we're being transformed so that what comes out is good stuff. It blesses those, it benefits those who actually listen to us. When that's happening, you're, you're growing up, you're maturing, you're becoming more like Jesus himself and it will show in your speech Again, a few verses earlier in this same chapter in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul describes it like this. He says he wants us to grow until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal, to become just like Jesus in character. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. You see, speaking the truth in love That right there is actually what our mouths were made for. Speaking the truth in love. And that happens more and more in us as we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And are transformed by the Holy Spirit using God's holy word. Using our prayers. Sometimes using others in our life for accountability. So anyway. Some are uninformed right? about the third commandment, and uh, they need information. Some are uncontrolled with their tongues, and they need growth. They need transformation. There's a third group of people. Uh, This group of people we'll call the unconverted or the unconvinced. They are not followers of Jesus to start with. They do not know God personally. And so consequently, they don't love him. They might not even believe in him. They don't respect him, of course. And so using his name as a curse really means nothing to them. And it's not surprising even to us. Uh, I've read several commentaries who kind of went in this direction with this this idea that when someone doesn't know God or denies the existence of God, it's somewhat ironic when they use uh, God's name as a curse since he doesn't exist. And they explore that whole psychological thing of why was anybody use the name of God as a curse. And bottom line this for you, I read a lot about this. But you could summarize it all by saying that a lot of psychologists, Christian psychologists, believe that the whole idea of cursing God is a way of my uh, asserting you know, my power, my authority, my greatness, my importance over the importance of a concept as stupid as God you see. In other words, it's a declaration of war almost. If I can use God's name as a curse and I can do it in a manner where I'm not immediately obviously judged in that way, well then I'm superior to this weak name of God that I'm using as a curse. I think there's something to that. I do. I think there's a lot of truth probably there. But contrast that with the person who understands Jesus' life and sacrificial death for them. Contrast that with somebody who understands that in Jesus, God has revealed himself to us intimately, face-to-face, so to speak. Contrast that with the person who understands that Jesus' life and death and resurrection, all of those things happen to pay for their sin, to give them eternal life contrast all of that one way of thinking with with someone who has come to understand and believe in and embrace and decide to follow Jesus by faith. You see, that person simply can't use the name of Jesus as a curse. They can't treat God that way and not be convicted, deeply convicted of the sin of it. They can't use the name of God that way and not be ashamed for what they, they just did and, and be convicted of their need to stop that, stop that immediately. And it even pains them when they hear somebody else do it. My sister Alice uh, adopted a little boy named Terry. Uh, Terry was a, a cocaine baby and... Um, Uh, Terry's skin was black, is black, Uh, and as Terry grew he had all kinds of attending issues and challenges uh, in life, still does to this day, social challenges, academic challenges, even mental health challenges because of uh, his biological mother's addictions. And then there were tons of other challenges that came Terry's way because of the color of his skin We had an Uncle Earl. Earl was a professing Christian. He is now deceased. Uh, But growing up, I I remember numerous conversations with or in or around Uncle Earl and, you know, faith kinds of things were being discussed. Turns out Uncle Earl believed that white people should not socialize with people who are not white. Uh, He had offensive names for people of color, some especially offensive names for people with black skin. It was ironic. Our our family um, and Uncle Earl's family, uh, he had four kids. and, And when we were all little, I mean, we would often get together. You know, the cousins, we were all good buddies, good friends, enjoyed playing together, being together. But as we, as kids, as we became adults and young adults, and at that point in time when Alice actually adopted Terry, it was made very clear by my Uncle Earl that Terry was not welcome. Uh, at any family event uh, where Uncle Earl was going to be. So things like extended family gatherings at Christmas or holidays or just family get-togethers became really painful and awkward and difficult, and our family just had to actually quit going to those events. Um, If Terry wasn't going to be welcome, then we pretty much took the view that we weren't either, and that wasn't something we were going to participate in. And I'll tell you, ever since those days, um, I've been sensitive to, you know, names that black people get called just because of their skin color. Uh, and Jokes that get made by white people at the expense of black people just because I saw my nephew cringe and be confused and frustrated by things like that. You see, those names and those jokes just hit too close to home. I know somebody personally that they have hurt and still do hurt. I've seen uh, him squirm with pain and embarrassment and, and all the heartache that comes from that kind of stuff. So I don't find much humor, and I certainly don't take much delight in any of that kind of stuff. And haven't. Because I've seen what that stuff can do to hurt someone uh, that I care about. Well, similarly, right? Jesus followers who love and appreciate who Jesus is. Jesus followers uh, who get what Jesus has done for them and they've internalized that. They've come to realize that, first of all, I mean, you, you can't know Jesus And be unclear about the fact that you're not perfect. Am I right? That's why our slogan, people who aren't perfect and don't pretend to be. What good is it to pretend to be? I mean, we're not the spouses we should be. We're not the friends we should be. We're not the parents we should be. We're not the employees or the employers we should be. Am I right? You can say so about the person sitting next to you. Of course I'm right. And because of all of that, we get that we deserve uh, the, the, the punishment of God. Our, our sins are many. They're rampant. We are not righteous, right? And the reality of that to a Jesus follower hits a Jesus follower like a ton of bricks. We know that we sin and we know what our sins deserve, And I'll tell you, it's in those moments that a Jesus follower remembers who Jesus is and remembers what the gospel is. The gospel says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not straighten yourself up, get your act together, be perfect, and maybe God will accept you. Thank God that's not the gospel. That would not be good news. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That is just the best news you're ever going to hear. And a Jesus follower believes that and rejoices in that and they meet Jesus personally in that moment and over time they grow in the knowledge of God and who he is and what he's like. He's holy, he's good, he's righteous, he's just, he's loving, he's forgiving. And we grow in our reverence of him. And so when we hear the name of Jesus, that name actually is precious to us. If we'll just stop and think. And we want to sing his praises. We don't want to use his name as a curse. And if for any reason we do, we feel terrible about it. And it hurts us that we have dishonored and disrespected our God in that way by using his name in vain. Now again, that's not true of somebody who is not a Christian. Somebody who is not a Christian can even be in a worship service like this, can get up and leave from here and get out in their car and you back out in front and back of them and stop them from getting out before you and they're instantly enraged and wow, they turn the air blue and they use God's name as a curse and they're cursing you. And that's how that can work. But here's the thing, and I hope I'm making this really clear. The truth is that someday that person is going to stand before Almighty God just as we all will. And they will have to give an account as to why they chose to use their mouth and their words that way. And they will have to give an account of what that reflects being true in their heart And they will have to explain before God why they chose to use his name as a curse. And what's amazing to me, friends, is the remarkable patience and long suffering of our God. You know, God has given us his commands. They're good. The commands of God are are really good. They, they show us how to live and how to thrive, how to do right, how to do what is good. They, they show us that he loves us, that he's in covenant with us and wants to school us up on, on how to live righteously. And then even in spite of all that, God puts up with us and with people cursing and using his name in vain every day, day after day. Week, month, year, decade, century after century, patience and long-suffering on God's part. And then he warns us, he warns us very clearly, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's a warning to us for our good. And the day is coming when... (laughs) All of us will give that account. And yet even right in this minute, right in this moment, God will forgive us. Wow. If we turn from our sin and put our faith in him. If we say, God, I I didn't know. Or if we say, God, I, I, I didn't care the way I should. Or if we say, God, I've just been sinfully, wickedly foolish. I am sorry, forgive me. And he will. That's amazing. That's amazing grace. The God we've cursed will open his arms to us and receive us into his family, into his embrace and will bless us. So I would just say, if that's you... (laughs) Why not make Him your Savior instead of a curse word? Why not? Why not receive His grace, His long-suffering patience? Why not confess your sin and come to faith in Him? Make a commitment this morning, uh, this is for Christians too, that from here on out, God's name is holy. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will hallow the name of our Heavenly Father. So that someday we can sing with clean lips, righteous lips, to God's very face. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clarity and the conviction of the commandments. We thank you for clarity around this third commandment. And in addition, God, we, th- we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your long-suffering patience. We thank you for the life and the work of Jesus Christ. God, uh, may you deliver us from Speaking the name of Jesus Christ or your name, Heavenly Father or Holy Spirit, uh, in any way that deprecates who you are or diminishes who you are or shows a lack of respect, a lack of love, a lack of reverence and honor. Help us through the words we speak to represent who you are to others, God, as well as to each other. And thank you for the opportunity in worship to be reminded of the importance of the use of our speech and our words and especially, God, the use of your name. Thank you. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.